0: The physics of muon colliders. Novel technology and perhaps physics await us if we're brave enough to build one. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Field Guide to Particle Physics. This is your informal guide to the subatomic ecosystem that we're all immersed in. Today, the physics of muon colliders. Last time we contrasted the performance of lepton and hadron colliders. Hadrons are messy, composite things like protons that enjoy a relatively large mass. Leptons are tiny by comparison, but elementary. They are things like electrons and their antiparticle partners, positrons. Protons versus Electrons In a collider ring, protons can be spun up much faster because their inertial mass inhibits the radiation of light that braking radiation, or bremsstrahlung, associated with centripetal acceleration. Electrons with a mass almost 2,000 times smaller shine like high beams on a dark highway. All that light depletes their kinetic energy. They just can't make it up to speed. Higher velocity collisions are crucial for probing particle physics. The shrapnel from the explosion often includes less commonly seen particles like the Higgs boson. This is why the Large Hadron Collider uses protons to look for new physics. The trade-off that leptons offer is cleanliness. Protons are clunky and full of subnuclear junk. The collisions are too. Lepton collisions are almost surgically clean by comparison. And because of that, lepton colliders are used at lower energies to study the properties of particles with really high precision. For example, SLAC used the SLC, the Stanford Linear Collider, to tabulate the physics around the Z boson and its decays. To date, lepton colliders have typically meant two beams, one of electrons and one of positrons. At low energies, these two particles annihilate into a pair of gamma rays. But as the energy ramps up, all kinds of things can come out last time we advocated for the construction of a muon collider. Muons are 206 times heavier than the electron, and can therefore be accelerated much faster. They don't radiate light nearly as much as the electron. And unlike the proton, the muon is an elementary particle, so a muon-anti-muon collider can offer us the best of both options. The cost is a tough logistical hurdle. The muon is an unstable particle, it typically decays in a few microseconds, or millionths of a second. This means a muon collider must create, accelerate, and collide muons from scratch, all in a fraction of a second. Today, we'll describe in detail how a muon collider works and why it's not so crazy to use them to search for new physics, particularly around the Higgs boson. About the muon. The muon is like a big fat electron. It has the same electric charge and the same generic features of the electron, except that it's bigger. Thanks to the persistent impingement of cosmic rays from outer space on our upper atmosphere, muons are a common particle to find here on Earth. We've discussed them at length in this podcast, specifically in our mini-series on cosmic rays. A sizable chunk of your annual exposure to ionizing radiation comes from muons blasting through you from the upper atmosphere. The muon only decays to the electron and some other junk, typically a pair of neutrini. This restriction is mostly about its mass. At 105.7 MeV, the muon just isn't heavy enough to decay into anything else. There's just nothing there for it to decay into. This dearth of options is partly why the muon sticks around for much longer than other unstable particles. And this is precisely what makes it an excellent candidate for a collider beam. While 2.2 microseconds might not seem like long, it's an eternity by particle physics standards. What's amusing about these so-called cosmogenic muons, born from atmospheric collisions with cosmic rays, is that they actually take much longer than 2.2 microseconds to reach us. At least, from our perspective. Light can't even make it that far in such a short time frame those muons are traveling very close to the speed of light. So close, in fact, that Einstein's theory of special relativity extends their lifetime by more than enough time to reach sea level. Again, from our perspective. Typical energies for muons at sea level range from about a GeV to a TeV, depending upon the angle of incidence, for which muons appear to wait from 22 microseconds to 22 milliseconds before decaying into electrons. At least, from our perspective. In a muon collider, the muons in that beam will be accelerated to even higher speeds, speeds that would extend their apparent lifetime even further. Synchrotron radiation As we've discussed, centripetal acceleration causes charged particles to radiate away their kinetic energy as light. The lighter the particle, the more susceptible to this energy loss they are. Indeed, the rate of energy loss goes like 1 over the mass to the fourth power. Thus, the mass ratio of the muon to the electron suggests the power radiated by muons is suppressed by a factor of 206 to the fourth power. That's 1.8 billion times less energy radiated. Given the massive energy loss for electrons running in rings, you might wonder why we use circular accelerators at all. Wouldn't it be more efficient to use a linear collider instead? Well, it depends. SLC at SLAC was linear. The proposed click experiment, still under development, is also linear. The trouble with linear colliders is that the accelerated particles can only pass each accelerating radio frequency cavity once on their way to the collision. Circular colliders can use those accelerators multiple times by passing them through the loop multiple times. The LHC at CERN has 16 acceleration points, 16 radio frequency cavity sites around its 27-kilometer ring, giving it ample opportunities for particle acceleration. At the LEP LEP, experiment, which accelerated electrons and positrons in the very same tunnel in which the LHC now sits, it would take at least 9 orbits to get up to collision energy. Given that the tunnel is 27 kilometers in circumference, The required linear tunnel size would be close to the distance from Geneva to Milan. It's just impractical. In summary, hadron colliders achieve the highest energy collisions because they are more efficient than electron-positron colliders. That said, lepton colliders are built specifically to study the precise details of particle physics without all the mess that hadrons make. Muon colliders win on both the clarity of signal and the efficiency of acceleration. The only trade-off is that muons are unstable particles. Now, of course, linear colliders could solve some of the efficiency issue, but they're just not as effective. The CLIC experiment is proposing to study the physics of the Higgs boson at a design energy that will scale from 380 GeV to 1 TeV to finally 3 TeV. The reach of a first-generation muon collider is expected to be closer to 10 TeV, well over three times higher than CLIC it would be comparable to the LHC in energy scale, which is like 14, but without all the noise associated to hadron collisions. And because of that, it's quite possible that new physics would be discovered in a muon collider. So again, we should really build a muon collider. Tell your friends. And thanks for listening. This has been an installment of the Field Guide to Particle Physics, a copyrighted production of the Poseidon Institute. We're in our third season, and it's all about antimatter. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode interesting, fascinating, pleasantly confusing, or even just useful, please make sure to subscribe for more and pass it around. For a full, free online copy of the Field Guide, please visit our website at poseidon.org or follow the Poseidon Institute on Instagram. At the Besant Institute, we are on a mission to build and share physics knowledge without barriers. Come learn with us.